This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. A bunch of the Islanders stopped playing because they thought the puck came out of the zone, but Pedersen held it in. Now Hughes cuts into the slot. Rishon, he scores! Quinn Hughes beats Sorokin up high, and the Canucks make it 2 to nothing. Tip right on top of the crease by Miller, and Sorokin made a great pass save. Now they steal the puck. Pedersen in front for Miller. Back to Pedersen, he scores! Oh my goodness, what a goal! The lotto line continues to roll as Miller and Pedersen had about 10 years to make that passing play at the top of the crease. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. For Canucks to center. Myers right wing to the Islander line. Shoots. He scores. Tyler Myers tees up a slap shot for the right circle and beats Elias Sorokin off the rush. He hadn't scored in his last 32 games. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks sweep the New York area teams for the first time in franchise history with ease. A 5-2 victory over the Islanders in New York. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network brought to you by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randeep Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And also get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. My oh my how this Canucks team has played and they've reached another level here Bic I mean this three-game sweep of the New York area team something they've never done before they didn't just do it they did it in an impressive fashion they were absolutely all over the Devils they were terrific against one of the best teams in the league in New York the Rangers yesterday and they absolutely dominated the second and third periods here against the New York Islanders and they really pulled it off with ease it is remarkable 10 combined shots on goal in that third period. Four. Four by the Islanders. They had four shots on goal in the second as well. They skated them off the ice for the last 40 minutes. Didn't let them get anything going. And that's how you close out a game. That was as thorough as we've seen throughout the course of this season. In a game where you're three and four nights, you're doing all this, and they they keep uh, stacking up here some pretty impressive performances. And now they're doing it on the road, and you know Rick Tockett challenged them. He said, we're going to have to ramp it up at some point. They're ramping it up, and these are some of their best performances that they put out this season. Yeah, it's, it, it's absolutely remarkable. And they're reaching another level in terms of how they're creating offense, how they're playing as a team. They're playing some of their best hockey at the midway point. It's truly tremendous watching this team really come together, sitting atop the National Hockey League. It is absolutely remarkable. And let's bring in Randeep into the conversation. And, I mean, uh, was this their best performance out of the three games? Like, is, is that a fair question to ask here, Randeep, considering third game of four nights, second of a back-to-back? And they looked not distressed in the slightest in that third period. Yeah, guys, in terms of start to finish and, you know, against the Rangers, there are certain moments where, yeah, that's a heavyweight team. They're throwing their weight around. They're coming with pressure. Uh, This game just seemed comfortable. This is a a team that you mentioned. They played yesterday. They played a a very, you know, emotionally and physically invested game against the New York Rangers uh, at Madison Square Garden. We know how much that means to players. And there's an expectation that you're going to come back maybe with a a slightly less of an effort or a bit of a dip. Not in this game, guys. This was a a really professional game by this team. 
and looking at the way that they just treated that third period where, you know, I'm not going to lie, under my notes section, uh, next to period three, I put boring. I literally wrote that down, <laughs> yeah. and I meant that in a g- great way because that's exactly what you want when you have a lead like that. And sure, Brock Nelson gets his second goal of the game, but that was you know few and far between for the New York Islanders. This was a frustrating game for them. They couldn't establish the forecheck, and in the third period, they looked pretty lifeless, and that's a, a credit to the Vancouver Canucks playing second of a back-to-back, which you know they've been pretty decent at this year, but this, to me, was one of the the games that you look at and say hey this is if you can do this in the second of a back-to-back on the road uh you know you got something special going and it was again another version that we get to see here it's the back end stepping up here and providing a bunch of goals in this spot Hronick, Hughes, Myers all contributing throw in Pedersen and Joshua with the goals from the forward group but the back end you know in a season where they've scored so many goals this season they they now have 160 goals on the year uh there were 17 coming into tonight from the back end so it was it was Quinn Hughes getting a lot of the praise for the goal scoring but now on a night like tonight they're up to 20 from the back end yeah, and, uh, you know it was going to be something special when uh, Tyler Myers early in the first period makes a move on Romanov on the right-hand side. You're saying, <laughs> all right, he's feeling it tonight when he went from the outside and kind of uh, cut into the middle and had a shot in Sorokin. But, guys, yeah, we, for a lot of times, you know, there's there's a lot of discussion about this defense and how they set up, whether it's, uh, you know, Quinn Hughes making that stretch pass or Philip Ronick. Uh Today there was them finishing it up and, and scoring those goals. And the Philip Ronick one, where the Canucks take a one nothing lead. Like, that was ruthless in a good way, where he leans into that shot, and I've said this before, he's kind of the anti-Sammy Salo in the sense that, not to say Sammy had a, a, you know, a weaker shot. No, we know Sammy was one of the hardest shooters in the league, but Sammy also was a player that he knew how hard his shot was, and sometimes he'd kind of back off. Sometimes he wouldn't lean into it because he was afraid of hurting somebody. Philip Roenick is the exact opposite, where Casey Sezikis gets hurt on that play. They continue to play and he ends up picking a corner, but later on in the game, like he is just leaning into other shots and essentially challenging the Islanders to say, all right, if you want to block it, you know, see what happened to your homie earlier on? That might happen <laughs> to you as well. And th- that's what I love to see from Philip Ronick. And then the Tyler Myers play where that's just a confident player, uh, whether it was defensively, uh, I thought he did a great job with Carson Soucy, that pairing playing really well. And then just, you know, looking off the pass option and saying, you know, I got this and then blasting one. 94 miles per hour nearly, uh, just special. And guys, come on, Quinn Hughes, that goal, silky smooth, uh, taking that time and space and just saying, all right, you're going to give me the middle of the ice. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twirl around a little bit, create some space for myself. And then if you're, occup- or, you know, you're providing that opportunity for me to occupy that space, I'm going to take and make you pay. I loved all three of those goals for very different reasons. The lotto line, of course, has really dominated the conversation the past few games, but all season they've had their two best defensemen playing together, Philip Hironik and Quinn Hughes, and they went through a bit of a stretch, uh, I'd say, where they weren't playing their best hockey. Not that it matters, because the Canucks keep winning. It doesn't matter uh, what's going on with their team, it seems like, so far this season. But the last couple of games, I thought they were tremendous uh, last night in New York against the Rangers, and perhaps even better tonight uh, against the New York Islanders. And when you're seeing guys at that level... It's just incredible what they can do to lift the entire tide for the team, isn't it? Oh, totally. And, you know, in the opening 40 minutes, because we could see the strategy for the Canucks in the final 20 was different when you've got that lead. But, guys, the speed difference between the two teams was night and day, right? Where you could see the Islanders trying to establish that forecheck. They were trying, but that was a team that, you know, was unable to do that. And the credit to that 
I would say that pairing especially because the way that they, they move the puck up the ice, the way that they're going after the first option, and we know that Hironik and Hughes can skate the puck out of their own zone, and they're so good at it, but making those passes to the forwards and really just moving it real quick and processing the game real quick, the Islanders were not in this game, and that's not because they were you know playing bad or they were in the offensive zone and they, they couldn't you know get chances together. The Canucks didn't allow them, and credit to the defensemen, and I would say Philip Hronik and Quinn Hughes are at the front of that uh, be, because they're so they're so elite at doing that, where the Islanders were never set in this game, and that was, was one of the, the issues, I think, from an Islanders perspective that they could not solve. Maybe late in the third period when the Canucks are playing more conservative, uh, you could see them establish more of a forecheck trying to get back in it, but that to me was more of a score effects thing where you know the Canucks are, are playing conservatively, but guys, yeah, the stats are one thing, the goals are one thing, but the way that both of these players, and especially Quinn Hughes, they're able to control the pace of the game. They're able to dictate you know, the speed at which their team plays with, and that's not only them, that's also the forwards hitting their spots and, and knowing you know, when to go, but that was an example of when the system is fitting and the right players are in the system, uh, you can really take advantage of some slower teams. That's exactly what they did tonight. Well, as far as forwards hitting their spots, and you're talking about you know guys fitting into the system, I, I know we've talked a lot, a lot of line and, and, and what it means for the, the rest of the uh, nine forwards, but you look at the four lines, as far as the template that it seems like they want to create, right? A four-checker, a creator, and a scorer – all four lines have that, right? Because Mike goes yep. Suter Mikheyev. You can see what each role is. Bluger, Garland, Joshua has been the picture example of what they're trying to create. And now you throw in Miller, Besser, Pedersen, and then it's Oman, Lafferty, Hoagland. It's like the roles make sense for all four lines all of a sudden. And we're, obviously it's, hey, we can debate, should this line be the second line? Which line is the third line? All that sort of stuff. And people are texting in, who should they go out and acquire? But you look at the template of what they're trying to create – all four lines make sense in what they want to try to do. Yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, and I'm guilty of this as well, where when we start thinking of balance in a lineup, we think talent, right, rather than role. And one of the reasons that people maybe, and I'm, I'm including myself in this, that we didn't necessarily think the lotto line would maybe have that. You go to it, but you go it sparingly in games when you really need them or when you're chasing a game is because you think, oh, hey, if you put all the talent on one line, what's going to happen with the rest of the guys? Uh, but, you know, Bick, to your point, they all have balance now because you have the right type of player in that situation. I, I don't know how long you can go like this because, you know, you're dominating right now in the playoffs. It, it's a very different game because you're, those matchups mean so much more. So, you know, if you're losing a matchup, you're going to have to adjust. That's what the playoffs are about. Game to game, within the game, you have to make those adjustments as you go. But right now, of uh, you know, one of 82 the Canucks do have balance, guys. I'm looking at the the you know the lines right now, and every single single line that the Canucks have uh, was was basically uh, you know outperforming the opposition tonight, right? Whether it was from a goals for perspective, five on five, whether it was a high danger perspective, uh, they were at the very least neutral, which was the Teddy Bluger Dakota Joshua line in terms of you know high danger chances. Every other line was ahead of it, and that's the balance you speak of. Remember, mm. they don't have last change here. They're on the road, which makes it even more impressive. So, yeah, you know, maybe the way we look at lines in terms of, hey, you got to spread out the talent, it's, all right, the role on those lines, maybe the collective parts actually make them a stronger line. you got to, you know, 
certain things on paper maybe look a little weaker than uh, than you think. Uh, you put them together, and they're looking pretty good right now. Well, zero stress watching this team in the third period, too, with the lead. And that really speaks to how they're playing as a team, the systems, the way they've come together. And, you know, we were kicking this around a little bit on the pregame show when we've spoken about this before, but... The talk before in the season was they're scoring a lot of goals, but it's coming off tip-ins or getting to the net, crashing the net and scoring and good screens and everything. But they're not creating a ton of volume, right? And a lot of stuff is happening isn't quite as skilled and creative as we know they're capable of doing. So the question was, how do you sustain this scoring? High shooting percentage and everything. And if you look you know, a bit closer, you saw, well, the Canucks are generating really good quality looks amongst the best in the league. They're really good at having zone time, one of the best in the league, really good at defending their own net, one of the best in the league. But there's been an evolution in how they're generating chances in offense. And can we just attribute that to the lottery line coming together? Or is there something else they're tapping into here, Randeep? No, I think it really is coming into, you know, a couple of things. The lottery line certainly helps, right? When you've got players uh, that are able to make plays like that. And I go back to the 3 nothing goal, Elias Pettersson teaming up with Philip Ronick to take the puck off of Pellick uh, and ends up you know, showing high skill with JT Miller, uh, a little bit of a passing clinic, great hands from Pettersson, and boom, 3 nothing. Like, that's special talent, that's effort. But guys, the other goals as well, like Tyler Myers um, and this entire line, that Myers goal for sure, but the ability to A, just play your style with speed. And, and that's something that's... I've, appreciated of this team on this trip especially you take the St. Louis game out uh, they are not playing on their heels whatsoever so that scoring that we're seeing is you know it's a credit to what they've been able to do because they're processing the game quickly and at a high level and remember we had this conversation at the beginning of the year to say you know when Rick Tockett says playing fast it's not about having the straight line burners it's not about that necessarily it's about being able to a Play within your structure, knowing where you are and where your team it is, and processing that information, and you're having chances off the rush, right? That Tyler Myers goal is a classic example, but how many opportunities did Connor Garland have coming down the right or left-hand side? It's that they were just playing at a, a much quicker level than the the New York Islanders for today. So I think a part of it is, you know, definitely the lotto line, but there's a real confidence in how to play a simplified game and, you know, uh, just looking at that first option and and hitting teams when they're not ready for it, you know they're they're really pushing the pace in these games. And tonight was a classic example where the Islanders were not ready for it, and the Canucks took advantage of it. So I, I think just the ability to work within your structure, guys, but play with speed is something that we really saw in these stretches of games. And and I mentioned the uh, the stat at the end of the game, um, you know, 17 goals for in these three games, every single one. Uh, was something they didn't generate on the power play. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was none of them were five on four, which tells you, uh, you know, they're really buying into it and they're they're catching teams and some really good teams playing their style. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you actually really quickly, just to point out, you know, focus on one thing that could improve the power play. And they had some extended runs, certainly in that second period, to catch in on that power play. But, you know, the chances even on the power play weren't there. Yeah, and I think gradually they did get a little bit better where the first power play, it was all perimeter. And, you know, getting to the middle of the ice, and even early on where not being able to find whether it was the bumper, uh, I think there was one one-timer from Pedersen, uh, they did have a couple of looks a little bit later on. But uh, an area that uh, that I'm not necessarily liking when it comes to the power play is, you know, just that middle of the ice, it just seems a little easy. Uh, they tried a couple of different things. They tried to have JT Miller pop up to the high slot. Uh, that did not really work so much. There was another opportunity where JT Miller hit Brock Besser in the slot for a one-timer. Decent chance there. Couldn't pick a corner. But outside of that, guys, 
uh, it was few and far between. So a little stagnant, right? You're getting zone time against one of the worst penalty-killing uh, teams in the NHL. How are you breaking through the middle? And is that just a little too stagnant right now? You know, we, we talked about uh, Rick Tockett mentioned it in Vancouver where, hey, this is maybe sometimes players get stuck to their spots and, and they're not moving the pocket enough and they're not moving themselves. I, I sense that a little bit early on tonight. Uh, but, you know, this is not necessarily, you know, it's maybe the one blemish on that road trip thus far where you're just saying, all right, if you can get this aspect going, um, you know, can you get can you keep it going? And, and one area that I think uh, they're going to have to look at is I know having a second defenseman on the power play is not something that you look at unless you're protecting a lead like they were in the third period. But, you know, Kuzmenko hasn't had that effect on power play one um, that we'd expect him to. So do you kind of interchange, especially on a night where Hronik is feeling it, his shot is going, do you try it out there? You know, if you're already going 0-4, do you try to bring him out just to add a little something? And today in the late in the game, I, I get it. You're trying to protect the lead, but... When he's feeling that shot and when he's leaning into it, I wouldn't mind to see him up there. I know uh, it's a bit of a, an extinct animal in the, the NHL mm-hmm. having two defensemen out there, but I, I would like to see them switch it up a little bit more because that's the one area that if they can get that power play going, boys, watch out. Right now, even Wesley are just absolutely annihilating teams. Well, and there are areas where they can still improve, and over the course of a long season, you're very seldom going to have everything clicking at the same time, and mm-hmm. the way things are kind of going now, it seems like as soon as something comes down, something else picks up. Earlier, it was kind of like, well, maybe five on five need to generate more. They're scoring a lot on the power play. Now it's gone the other way, and it just seems like where wherever they go down, there's another area where they make up the difference, and it's been remarkable to see so far. Uh, we would be remiss before we let you go to not ask about Elias Patterson. Scored again to Tonight and only a lonely point for him. Only ho hum one point ended up being a goal, but uh, another goal of the year candidate. Hey, yeah, like <laughs> you know what's so great about that one though is just like a the, the skill and the hands before he scores the goal. Like we we take that for granted because it's like the previous game he had him. You know he, he scored that goal and Niels Hoglander scores that goal. Just a beautiful goal. But even before that, I loved the whole commitment to the you know just. T- uh, picking Pellick's pocket there, right? Where you're just, you're so committed to the game right now. You're so f- probably feeling good. Like imagine we feel great covering this game and, and you know, how positive that lotto line has, has been playing and how great they've been playing. Imagine these guys when they're on the ice and they're able to crank out production and they're able to put in efforts like that. Elias Pedersen is feeling it right now. He's engaged physically. We saw that, you know, reverse hit uh, last game. Uh, against Barkley Goodrow, which just, you know, planted him on his rear end. And so he's not only bringing it offensively, guys, but that plague on Pellick as well. Just another uh, 200-foot play where he's not giving up on the puck, and then you see the high-end skills. So, you know, that's one example, but this is a guy right now playing alongside Brock Besser, JT Miller, is fully confident. He's got some really skilled players that he's playing next to, and there's confidence in that all three of them are going to do the right thing. You know, when you have trust in your teammates, uh, you're just that much better of a player, and we're seeing that with Elias Pettersson. Yeah, we certainly are, and uh, the Canucks full value with another impressive victory tonight in New York against the Islanders, sweeping the New York area teams for the first time in franchise history. What a feat, what a season, 41 games in, Canucks sitting there with 57 points more than anybody in the National Hockey League. Randy, great stuff as always, man. Look forward to chatting with you on Thursday. Thank you, boys. And I got to say, come on, it's a a post-game hit. And I got to say, the Canucks put up a five spot for the five.
Oh, uh, that's my line. Yeah. That's my line, boys. Ah, five spot for the five and a number five orange. Uh, a lot of fun being had there. I'm, I'm guessing tonight, especially with the Canucks picking up yet another victory. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text them box 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. Uh, Luke, the bartender. But guys, my betting app says the Canucks are only 13th best in the National Hockey League. Having a little fun there. Uh, Derek says... As someone who missed most of the game, how did the second line look? I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that line. What is the Canucks' second line right now? Well, that's what uh, a few people are texting in. Mark and Wright Rock saying there's a lot of talk about which line is their second line. Why does it matter after the lotto line if they roll three lines equally, they all contribute offensively and defensively? Who cares which is the quote-unquote uh, second line? Look, it's a fair point. I think it matters come playoff time. Honestly, I think they're line 2B and 2C. I wouldn't say 2A, sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Because they're both more like, they're kind of middle six lines, both of them, mm-hmm. you know, without having a third line. So tonight, five on five, uh, the trio of Kuzmenko, Suter, and Mikheyev spent nine minutes and 13 seconds together. I just look at it as uh, money spent. So Mikheyev, okay. Kuzmenko is probably the second probably. line. But they had 9-13 together, yep. five on five. Joshua Bluger Garland had nine oh seven together. There you go. Five on five. So it's very close. So very close. So essentially, they're. I, I'm not saying one. You can say one mm-hmm. A, one B, even if you want to. I don't I, think I, I like two B, two C. Yeah, I think that's. By the way, we got a text during the third period. Okay. Because uh, we we're, were taking all these submissions on the the Bluger line, um, names. Okay, I actually liked this one. It, it was the one that kind of rose my eyebrows as soon as I heard it. Um, I think it was from Jody, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm just losing this here, but she texted in a name for the Bluger line. Okay. The Pesky Blinders. Pesky Blinders. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. It's, you might, it's trendy. You might like that more than I do. I see the creativity. Yeah, it's, I see the creativity. It's, it's different. It wasn't just going off the jerseys or something. Pesky Blinders. I just want to float it out there to everyone. You can text in, do you like that one? Do you not like that one? But pesky you know, blinders. It's, right? it's it's trendy. It's hip. Killian just won an award. Oh, Not did he? for pesky or for pesky blinders. Was it for Oppenheimer? Right? For Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer right? right? But it's 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 trendy. Trendy. It's, it's there. Tr- yeah, it's trendy. I, I guess didn't Garland wear a Peaky Blinders type hat once or something? They if he if he has, him? then it's even better. I think so. I think so. Neil and Maple Ridge. Uh, Horvat has to be upset he's no longer with the Canucks texting in. I don't know. He's got his money. He's he's probably happy. But it's pretty funny how mm-hmm. uh, how things have turned for the Vancouver Canucks this season. The top team in the National Hockey League is in total points right now at this stage of the season. Uh, a lot more reaction on the text in the box. I'll get you to read a couple before we go to the phone boards. Uh, 650-650. Uh, Besser's really coming to his own as a legitimate first liner. Play away from the pockets, checking, passing. It's all great. That one's unsigned into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, can we give some love to Casey DeSmith? All this time off and the stability and confidence he gives his team every single night is next level. Also unsigned. Appreciate it. We'd love to give you credit. Uh, so uh, try to put your name on your text. And uh, Bungalow Jim in Victoria, after nearly a decade of some terrible hockey, it's just great to see this team playing well again. Stoked for the Tri-State Sweep. And actually, I like this one too. Great game of talkie. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk at hockey, talk. I yeah. see it. I like I it. Working. Good creativity, man. I appreciate that. Uh, this text here from Colin and Caribou. Heronic should be nicknamed Leon from the movie Leon, formerly known as a professional. Dude is racking up a respectable body count uh, with his slap shot, taking guys down. And Sezikas did return to the game. What a movie. But 
that's a fantastic movie too. Yeah. A really good movie. Um, and uh, a young Natalie Portman was in that movie as well. It's it's a and um, yeah, she she plays the she's the girl. Is Natalie Portman in Leon? Is it? Yeah. I feel like you're wrong about that. I'm not. Natalie Portman? Yeah. I might get the score wrong. Oh, it is Natalie Portman. I yeah. can get this. I might get the score wrong. I'm not getting that reference wrong. All right. You know what I was thinking? I'm so stupid. I was thinking of Taxi Driver. Yeah, that's Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah. Different movie. Which, different. by the way, True Detective this uh, Sunday. Yeah, I can't four. wait to watch it. I'm, I'm very hyped. excited. All right. I'm hyped, though. The season the Canucks are putting yes, together. Yes. 41 <laughs> games in uh, so far. Uh, Fuzz from Burnaby Evening. Your online stream just went silent. We'll get that up. Uh, I know there's some issues, but generally speaking, uh, it has been working. But uh, reset it. If it's not working, then we'll get it back up again. Um, all right. Let's get to the phone board. Six. It's all good now. We're good. We're yeah, good. Are we're we good. good now? Okay. Yeah. Let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650. And let's go to uh, G in Delta, who's on the line. G, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? G. Hi. Hey, buddy. Yeah, we got you. Good evening. Uh, I'll try not to talk out of both sides of my mouth during this call. <laughs> uh, the, well standings, uh, the standings have been updated, and I see that they have a better point percentage uh, than uh, – LA and Vegas, and which is fantastic because the whole season uh, that was my measuring stick, right? Are they better than LA? And if LA was to catch up to them, you know, with all the games they have in hand, like would they be uh, on uh, on par with the the points? And uh, that being said, um, Oilers are catching up. I see, and even Seattle has gone on a run lately, and it's great to see that the Canucks have been. Uh, I think they're seven three and zero according to the site, and but nonetheless, I'm uh, I'm thinking about the playoffs now, and I still think that they need to keep this uh, going and try to you know outperform the Winnipeg Jets because the Jets just seem like they're not disappearing, mm-hmm. and I think they have to be first in order to uh, get a get an opponent like a Nashville or an Arizona because I don't think despite how well they're playing right now that they can take on uh, Vegas, L.A., or even Edmonton in the seven-game series. And that's all for tonight. Thank you. Hey, uh, G, thanks for the phone call. Uh, no, was not speaking um, out of both sides of his mouth. Good stuff, as, uh, as always, there. I like it. But, you know, on the point he makes, you know what? In terms of how uh, the Canucks um, would stack up against some of the top or, uh, top-end teams, like, mm-hmm. say, Colorado, let's say Vegas in their own division or whatever. Fair questions, and we saw them play those teams so far this year and they didn't quite look as good as those teams, and we'll see the next time they meet and how that goes. Obviously, a tougher road if you're going through Vegas, you're going through L.A. and all that. I love his take, though. There's been a lot of talk about, is it better if the Canucks end up in a, in a wild-card mm-hmm. position because then you maybe get an easier opponent, yada, yada. And to me, that's a loser mentality. The way the season is going, aim for the top seed yeah you know what's better you know what's better than uh being a wild card team and perhaps not facing vegas or la or edmonton in the first round is getting the first seed and, and playing, playing the eighth seed team. yeah playing wild card two yeah and why should that not be the goal honestly the canucks are sitting here right now the rest of the season why should it not be their goal to be the number one seed in the western conference why not and why is it not attainable run it up Right? If, if you got a chance to go put up 110, 114 points, and we haven't really had this discussion in a while, but we, we talked about, like, okay, what are they projected to do yeah. now, right? And we, we, you know, over the course of three weeks to a month, you, you kind of re- reevaluate pending what's happened. And, you know, I think the last time we discussed this, I thought, okay, they feel like 104, 106 point team. Well, now it's it's getting harder not to say 110. 
because the wins keep stacking up and they're at a certain point and now here they are 57 points after 41 games it's almost harder to 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 miss 100 than it is to get 110 so you know they're probably somewhere around 108 110 points so if you're at that stage go for 114 right like really make it difficult and then you look back and say like it's it's going to be really hard for teams to catch catch you and you know for, there have been you know non great elite teams to have that type of season as well like the, the flames here recently um had a fantastic season uh i think it was 111 points that season that was two years ago yeah it's not that long ago no so you know, teams can go on a run like this and, they, and if you're in a position yeah go get first place in the pacific and, and honestly like the mo the points at the end of the season in the regular season is not always a reflection of Correct. the best teams in the postseason yes. right so but but what you can control is your results in the regular season. And right now, the Canucks are picking up results. They're riding high. They're playing some of their best hockey. And why should that not be the goal? You're there. Let's try to stay there. It's hard to stay that high in the standings and, and be a high-end team in the regular season. But they've done it through 41 games. Why not try through the next 41 games? A C likes Texan. So grateful for this team winning like they are. I get the feeling it's not fun to play against the Canucks. Uh, the other coach was not happy. Myers is a good hockey player. And that point about it's not fun playing the Canucks, Absolutely. Like before, it was kind of like it's an easy. You'd hear when talking to some people around the league the last few years, Bick, that they kind of looked at the Canucks as being an easy opponent. Not because they could for sure win. It was more like we know we're not going to have to go in there and pay a price. And as much as they're talented, if we mm-hmm. lean on them, we could probably get a chance or two. And we're always in a game against Vancouver. I don't think that sentiment is strong across the league right now. Perhaps a team like Vegas. They may still feel that way, and that's why it's important to see how they stack up as they get into the second half of the season here when they meet down the stretch drive, especially a number of times. But that's kind of where this team's at now. Like, they're legitimately hard to play against. Mm-hmm. Like, that third period, Bick, as professional as it gets. The New York Islanders, I don't think, had a single quality scoring chance 5 all 5 in the, in the third period. I can't think of a single one. Well, they just got credited with another shot, so maybe that was... <laughs> maybe that's the one. I can't think of it. <laughs> they, they now the have five shots. Sh- like the phantom penalties they were called, the yeah. phantom shots they were giving them. And, I can't and, think and, of a legit scoring hey, chance I, I, they I'm have. glad you mentioned the phantom penalties, because it's not just uh, they're, they're closing these games out and all that. It's clean hockey, too, because the, the Lafferty penalty... I, I, you know the, the Rick Tockett reaction said it all. Sam Lafferty was even confused that he got a call uh, put on him, and the Bluger one was soft. But okay, a little bit of game management in that scenario. But it's clean hockey. It is very clean. It's hockey. very impressive. That's and it, honestly as as we talk about this, playing the right way, geeks and defensive mm-hmm. geeks. Like what I'm most impressed by this season is really how clean their game has become in so many different ways. They contest plays all over the ice. Sure, they could get quicker. Sure, they can get more physical, but they're not easy to play against. Like, Pew Suter's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but I, I sure as heck wouldn't want to go against them with that guy harassing you all over the ice. Uh, 650-650 reaction to our, our comment there about, uh, you know, seeding. Text here. The reason to not get first is so you don't play Edmonton. They're in the not first getting start. wild card, too. They're it, not getting wild but here, card, here's too. Here's the thing. It's... Like, I, I don't worry about that sort of stuff. Well, yeah. I, I honestly, bring on all comers. Because at some point, you have to play someone great. Well, of course you do. So, knock them out of the way. Like, 100%. I, I don't worry about path of least resistance. I worry about trying to become great. Yeah, and if you, what, are you going to do, like, you want to hold back on your regular season because you want a better playoff opponent? That's a loser mentality. Win as many games as you can win and then see where you end up in the standings. And your goal should be to finish first, not be a wild card team. And the way the Oilers are going... I can promise you that if they're a wild card team, they're not the second wild card team. They're the first wild card team, and that's why if you get the first seed, you're playing the eight seed. There are two wild card teams. 
Opponents I, are just opportunities to be great. I like that. That's a good saying. That's a good yeah. saying. I really like that. Yeah, man. You, you That's what I say every show? time I walk into the studio. It's like, <laughs> I gotta do a show with Sad again. <laughs> Talk to someone to being great. It's just an opportunity to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a high bar to cross all of a sudden. Uh, it seems really hard to imagine this Canucks team losing four out of seven games all of a sudden somebody texts in. I mean, the confidence is very high on the text message inbox uh, right now. All right, keep the thoughts coming into a text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to more of those as the show goes on, but let's go to the phone boards. We'll start things off uh, in Victoria with Glenn on the line. Glenn, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, Pretty good game by the boys yet again. That's uh, three beautiful wins in a row. Pretty happy about that. Uh, Bo Horvat looked a little weak tonight. I'm just saying, you know, kind of a Snorvat instead of Horvat or Scorvat. Kind of lazy on the ice in comparison to our team was just rolling over. Looked like a pretty dominant shift by, of course, the lotto line, 6-4-9, scoring all over the place and in your face. Absolutely beautiful. I'm loving this. Our team right now, I can see them that I, right at this exact second, they are number one in the league. But I know that I think Winnipeg's still playing, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Uh, uh, well, Winnipeg does have a higher points percentage, but they just wrapped up a 5 nothing win uh, over the Blue Jackets. So, so now technically they're yeah. atop the Western Conference. Now they just jumped. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm looking at old. They got 58 points now. now. Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fair enough. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see them playing well, boys. It's good to see the 6-4-9 uh, line back together. Um, you know, Sutter's good. I do think we do. We should probably get, you know, an, a real second-line center or a, a real substantial winger in order to make our uh, team playoff, cont- like, you know, cup contenders. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm loving this. Uh, it's great. Uh, see you guys sometime soon. Are you guys in Victoria for hockey night? And- uh, that's the weekend here. That, no, that's going to be Elliot Friedman and those guys. Yeah, are they'll be, be there. out there. Unfortunately, we you can't guys make. Won't? No, we're we working. Got, we got we got a Canucks game on Saturday, so yeah. we got to be here. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But uh, one of these days, Glenn. One of these days. Yeah, we'll see you when you come over. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. That's Glenn and Victoria calling in, uh, excited and. Uh, a couple parting shots for Bo, all in good fun. You're allowed to have some fun. It's mm-hmm. all good. It's all good. All right, let's take no one. No comment from us. Uh, whatever happened. I was snickering, though. I did laugh. I'm not going to lie. Uh, keep the thoughts coming into our text inbox. Let's take one more phone call. We'll take more on the other side and more of your reaction. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett. But let's go to Vancouver, where we have Paul on the line. Paul, thanks for calling in. Hey, guys. Uh, I don't call in uh, often, so I have four really quick points okay i just want to thank uh logan paul for uh calling out the canucks like that man he just he just showed millions of players introduced millions of players to who the canucks are which is awesome and he 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 talked some pretty serious trash there which was hilarious and like i the canucks should play that every warm-up man like they you know like play it every warm-up and after every game you know I, I i really hope they do uh second point um the lotto line uh, I'm so happy for Petey, man. I felt so sorry for him playing with, like, like I'm not knocking him, but, like, Lafferty and Mikheyev. Like, like come on, man. Like, I, I can see why there's rumors of him wanting to, like, get out, even though I don't believe him. But it's like, I don't blame the guy if he didn't want to resign because he's, like, he's not playing with good guys, man. Like, look at him now, right? So, and then uh, my third point, I think, like, can we pick up Kessel? The guy's like golden boy, man. Wherever he goes, like he can still score. He's a sniper. He could go on the second power play. He can he can go off that left wing and just like rip it in sometimes. Like, I don't know. Like, can we get him for like two mil? And my last point um, about the you guys are talking about the playoff seeds. 
Man, I really think they should change the format and make the top three teams pick who they want to play in the playoffs, man. That would create such, like, it would just create such more excitement and drama. You know, if you could pick, like, the first seed can pick who they want to play, whoever they want to play, like, out of the bottom four seeds, man, that would be awesome. Anyways, thanks, guys. Thanks for the phone call. That's Paul in Vancouver uh, calling in. Always welcome to uh, grab a phone line. Uh, a lot of thoughts there. Uh, mentioned the first couple in terms of our reaction. I mean, uh, Phil Kessel. Yeah, I know. It's, the thing is, he's what, 30? How old is he? Uh, 38? I, I want to say 30. No, he's younger than that. I want to say 36. He just hasn't played all season. Yeah. And I, listen, I'm not against 36. signing. I'm not against signing anybody to an entry like you know, low, you know, league mm-hmm. minimum contract. Sign for league minimum. Come and try out or whatever, and we'll see how it goes. But considering he hasn't played, considering he was pretty much a healthy scratch through the playoffs last year for Vegas, and he scored some goals in a regular season, I just don't know if you have the luxury of trying to integrate him into your team. Like, is he going to come in and play better than some of the guys you have already on your roster? I'm not against it come in and you know see how it goes or whatever but i just i just don't expect you to be able to get him to be a second line winger and then be a real addition on your power play like i just it's not a bad idea it's just it's a november idea i just feel like the runway for phil kessel to get caught up is gone yeah i don't disagree i mean and the canucks right now don't really have the space for him yeah and and certainly not at two million as paul mentioned yeah uh i i just rather just find someone who's Full fitness right now. Yeah, and maybe younger. It's a guy who fits in uh, a lot better on, on that regard. But, man, it's it's been a lot. It's been impressive watching this Canucks team. And right now, people are wondering, wh- what do they need to put themselves over the top? And we'll get. I'm sure we'll get into those discussions here on our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by the number 5 Orange of Vancouver legend, they've got sports, too, on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Cleared to the line, but Hughes holds in. Walking along the blue line. Right side, Heronic down the board. Center in front, tip right on top of the crease by Miller. And Soroka made a great pass save. Now they steal the puck. Patterson in front for Miller. Back to Patterson. He scores. Oh, my goodness. What a goal. The lotto line continues to roll as Miller and Patterson had about 10 years to make that passing play at the top of the crease. They outweighed Sorokin. And Patterson's got his 20th of the year to make it 3-0 Canucks. What a play by Elias Pettersson and that entire line as, A, they first create a chance in front of the net, and then Philip Hronik and Elias Pettersson combined to pick the pocket of the Islanders player right in front of him, and that's Pellick. And after that, the dangles are on. Elias Pettersson to JT Miller, back to Pettersson to make it 3-0 Vancouver. Tremendous skill from Elias Pettersson and JT Miller, and that is your play of the game. Brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Elias Pettersson, uh, I mean, great defensive play. Heronic also uh, involved in that play to, to turn the puck over. And then it's just incredible passing from Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. And low-key, one of the best parts of that whole entire sequence was, see the embrace mm-hmm. that uh, Pettersson and Miller after? And as uh, Batch said, they had 10 years to make that pass. So is, is that one year for every... Uh year they have in their current contract right now? Seven for JT, three for PD? It's a very, like... Ten years? Ten years. It was, it was skilled, man. It was skilled. It was very skilled. I mean, it's it's one of those things where JT may have been able to score on the pass initially, mm-hmm. but then 
if you make that next pass, you just it's a tap in, and he pulled. I, I mean, there was a defensive stick there too. There was time, but that pass return pass had to be threaded through a needle, yeah. and it was. It, it, it's it's a high stress, high pressure play, and JT willing to make the better play to get it to Elias Pettersson for his twentieth of the year. Yeah, just an incredible display of skill from Pedersen and JT Miller, but also defensive play too, and Pedersen being involved in taking that puck back, and they've been cooking the opposition, the lotto line has been uh, the past three games, and they weren't quite as prolific tonight I'm, in terms of goal scoring. I'm but... really surprised how like the instant chemistry. Yeah, I mean... Like, so... I, I thought you, you give it five games, let them work back together, and then you might see a peak, but it was immediate, I mean, and it has been sustained. Well, it's like, and the guys are at their spots, puck is on their stick, off their stick, in unison, it's so fast. covering from one another. But you know what it is? But they're playing to staples. Again, Vic, like, I'm going to repeat myself here, talking about playing to staples. Like, how are they generating these things? How are they generating their offense? I mean, the pass Pedersen made yesterday to JT Miller for his goal, how did he pass it? It was quick p- play that came along the boards. He goes from behind the boards, low to high play to JT, and he wires it. Like, we're talking about going to the wall, winning battles, making the quick plays, going to the areas the team wants you to go in, and they're doing it, and they're having success. It's incredibly impressive. A lot of reaction on our text inbox, 650-650. We'll take more of your text messages and your phone calls, 604-280-0650, your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Um, I want to read this tweet from Phil, uh, at part Phil. At the start of the year, the Canucks couldn't score 5-on-5 five five while dominating on the power play. Now it's the inverse. In sports or business, success is derived by executing your plan and responding to your competition's response to your success. Talkit has taught us most coaches pick other hockey players' brains on different ideas. You don't think that's happening on how to stop the Canucks? Things never play out in a vacuum. Everyone's trying to win. The Canucks' ability to tweak their plans and redeploy to create new looks is what impresses me the most about where they're at. You can't say enough about the coaching staff, the tweaks they're making. I would also say that as much as they're making tweaks, and yes, to put the lotto line together, I think it's the team truly coming together and having the level of success and creativity you want from playing their style, playing their system, but playing to their staples, so to speak. Yeah, you don't get a team that's playing this slick without guys adhering to what the coaching staff is preaching. And, and now it's become more second yeah, nature. Yeah. And, and Rudy texted in earlier, hey guys, talk gets all the love and super well deserved, but how about some love for Gonchar and Foot? Defense is yeah. killing it this year. It's a blast to watch. Um, the thing is... You know, the person who's at the head is is going to get all the the praise, but it's a it's a collective. When, staff. when you mention the person at the top, it permeates to everyone, right? And certainly to Ian Clark and and the rest of the coaching staff as well uh, in the goaltending department and Mike Yo. Like everyone's contributing. The uh, Daniel Henrik Sedin, uh, Rick Talk is just the face of it. Mm-hmm. And when when you're praising him, you're by proxy praising everyone else as well. So it's a good shout from Phil, good shout from Rudy, but the entire coaching staff to, to contribute to what you're doing right now, it's it's really unbelievable. And these players are are executing what they want, what, what the coaches want to see. They truly are. And I mean, in terms of what they're seeing, you go through this this recent stretch of games for the Vancouver Canucks, and and somebody texted in here and said. Um, and kind of echoing some of the some of the things that you were mentioning, did you think the lotto line would be playing this well considering the five, mm-hmm. eight games prior? The lifeline was carrying play for the better part of December. Absolutely true. And the teams that beat in December, they beat some good teams. But, I mean, we're talking about um, them beating the, the San Jose Sharks, the Predators, the Blackhawks. Uh, the Panthers were a good team. The Lightning were a good team. Obviously, the Hurricanes were a good team. Minnesota out of the playoffs, Calgary out of the playoffs. So a lot of non-playoff teams, Anaheim, they mm-hmm. beat through that stretch. And over that stretch, the lifeline was their best line. Now when the lotto line goes 
off. Supernova? Your best players go off. Yeah. Now you're beating the heavyweights. Now they're going and knocking out New Jersey like it's nothing. You're knocking down New York. You're you're making swift work of the New York Islanders. It's another level of play when you're being carried by your best players as opposed to your third line. But you're going to need to have your third line and other players carry you through parts of the season if you want to be a high-flying team sitting there with 57 points through 51, 41 games. They needed a jolt at some point, right? Yeah. Like the, the Nashville game, the Chicago game, the San Jose game, Ottawa, and then the St. Louis game. You just felt, okay, it's kind of waning right now. At some point, they needed a jolt. And this has been a unbelievable shakeup uh, for it to go like this. 6'4", 6'3", 5'2". I feel like we're talking about tennis sets right now with the way they're playing. <laughs> they are crushing it. And it, it's because uh, the, that lotto line has been put together and it, it's, it's provided a spark. And again, how long does a spark run for? Do, do you go make an acquisition to keep that spark going and let that line stay together? But there's a lot of commentary as well. People texting in, 650-650, uh, saying, um, you know, being wary of making a transaction because of how good the chemistry has looked here. Yeah, Massimo texted that in. I saw mentioning. I saw keep Luke as well texted in. Yeah, keep the team together instead of you know, trading for rentals uh, and all that. I think you also have to have to look at it if you have opportunities to make your team better, not only this year, but long-term, you may have to look at it. Mm-hmm. And you can't always just be satisfied. But I, I agree with how things are going right now. You don't want to shake up the chemistry too much. It's something to absolutely keep in mind as the trade deadline approaches. We'll get to more of your text messages. Uh, let's take a phone call, 604-280-0650. Uh, and let's go to Nanaimo, where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. And what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, boys. I have a couple things to say tonight. One, how did you enjoy that game? Well, back to back. That was um, something else. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, it was it was incredible. I mean, I was not expecting them to be this good. Do you have any other thoughts for 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 us tonight? Yeah. Um, so Thursday when they play Pittsburgh, who do you think is going to be in that for that game? D. Smith or Demko? Uh, What's th- your thoughts on that? All right, man. Thank you for the phone call. Um, Thatcher D. Thatcher Demko is going to be the goaltender. Um, I would say though you, that you see D. Smith before the road trip is out against Buffalo or Columbus. Yeah. You know, maybe you do with the Columbus one, uh, yeah. early start, and then you give Demko the Saturday game, and then he gets to rest all the way till Thursday when you come back at home. Might be a play. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him play another game. I don't think it's the next one that he gets, however, Casey DeSmith. But a strong performance from him between the mm-hmm. pipes. And people texting in lots, like, give DeSmith his love. DeSmith was fantastic tonight. And I thought he was good. He wasn't leaned on as much as Demko was leaned on yesterday against I, the I think Rangers. they've done that a couple of times. Uh, there was the three-gamer through Eastern Canada. DeSmith played the Montreal game. Yeah. And then there was a three-gamer... Uh, that ended in San Jose, and DeSmith played that one, uh, the, the final game, and then they came back home for Anaheim and Vegas. So maybe that's a play uh, where you see DeSmith get the final road game. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we see that happen. Uh, this text message, Ken, Ken Henderson, at Krusty027. PD isn't going to let the lotto line fail because if it does, he's back playing with Kuzmenko and Mikheyev. <laughs> <laughs> Out of fear of moving off that line. Uh, it's funny from... Uh, uh, from uh, <clears throat> funny text message coming in from Ken, Ken Henderson. Now, uh, we are going to get to more of your text messages. Let's take one more phone call, and uh, let's go to Victoria, where we have Calvin on the line. Calvin, thanks for holding on to your line. What are your thoughts tonight? Oh, no problem. Hey, guys, how are you doing? We're doing great. Um, I was just saying, like, Meyer's goal was, I thought it was amazing. You don't really see much like that, and uh, just thought he had so much space and so much time. Just let it rip, and it was, it was amazing to watch. It absolutely was. Hey, Calvin, thanks for your phone call. Welcome in. Welcome to call back anytime. 
Uh, Aaron from North Van also texting about that goal and about Tyler Myers. I'm going to take some flack for saying this, but when it comes to Myers, the only answer is to re-sign him. He's made it next to impossible to let him go. Aaron and North Van. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Calvin does touch on something. I mean, nice goal from Myers there. Uh, now, 93.7, by the way, miles per hour on that shot. The only thing I didn't like about him was he got caught on a two-on-one. On uh, one play, he got caught up ice. But what a play Carson Soucy made, knocking a puck out of the air. Oh, yeah. Barzal was going to knock it in into an empty net, and Soucy knocked it out of his way on the two-on-one going the other way. That's the only moment tonight I was like, eh, Myers made a wrong play. But but Calvin's right. I mean, that play, the confidence Myers has in, in driving with that puck and then unleashing a slap shot. And it was cool to see. I mean, did you, not, did you see Connor Garland's reaction? Jumped right into him? Jumped into his lap like my dog when he sees me coming home at night. I was going to say, like, Riccio <laughs> jumping into your arms after a good show. <laughs> I don't know if well poor guy not you, even here you, not you even made, here <laughs> you made the joke not me this time I, I mentioned the dog at least you <laughs> you went Riccio savage uh, about Susie text here guys I think Susie top four D-man for sure you just see the difference when he is in the lineup I also think Juleson can be in the lineup play so simple makes good plays he should stay in the lineup the thing is about the maintenance day for Ian Cole and Juleson going in the lineup, you're only doing that if you got trust in Noah Juleson. You're not doing that if he's bona fide number seven, eight kind oh, of guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he, it, it was a tough decision to, to take him out of the lineup the way he was playing. But you give him a little bit of run and, you know, back-to-backs, three and four, okay, here's the spot. It's not as if they were doing this with Mark Friedman. Like, mm-hmm. he's still on the roster. Yeah. It's not as if they're like, oh, cycling him in when Susie was out. So Juleson, yeah, he, he absolutely deserves to, to get some playing time, and it's going to be something that this team's going to have to manage, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of complaints right now because they're winning, and as long as the guys get featured in, uh, someone like Noel Juleson has every reason to be pleased with his production and his usage. Injuries are going to happen, yeah, you know, and there will be times where guys are going to miss some games, and right now they're having the good problems where they're considering resting guys and arrested Ian Cole tonight and had no issues at all. Maintenance day for him. I would expect him to get back into the lineup on Thursday against Pittsburgh, but the question then is asked who comes out of the lineup and who's the next guy in the rotation? Is it Myers? Is it going to be Juleson again? You know, because we saw, I mean, Zadorov was injured day to day, but, you know, now, he, you know, the coach went through great lengths today saying Cole being scratched was not healthy scratch. It wasn't because of his, he literally, it's maintenance. Like, it's mm-hmm. not because of his play. Like, we love how he's playing. We're literally just doing it for maintenance. Is there another guy for maintenance now? Like, before I was skeptical that he would actually, you know, rotate through the four guys. Like, could Myers be next? He scored a goal tonight, but could he be the next guy? Or does it go back to Juleson again? Probably just, yeah. you, you probably just go with Juleson. Maybe you go back to Juleson and the next guy. Like, maybe Juleson, maybe for every game, those guys, he, for every two games those guys play, Juleson plays one. Yeah, that probably makes sense. You know, something along yeah. those lines. But uh, Juleson got into the lineup tonight, and the Canucks did not miss a beat at all. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 656.50. This one says, 77 games under Tockett, 47, 23, and 7 for 101 points, 108-point pace under Rick Tockett. 77 game sample now. That's pretty good. Uh, honestly, like, I, I kind of looked at this last year, too, the like the year-to-year carryover. Because last year, there were 685 team right 17 7 and 3 and you think okay what's the regression look like for each team and and you go through the teams that because we say this every year of like oh don't buy the hype of a team at the end of the season the last two months I kind of looked at it and those teams usually drop off uh from their points percentage about five spots they were ninth best in the last two months of the season this year so you could say okay are they going to be about the 14th best team this year they mean they've overshot a lot of these things and 
they're racking up the goals and the the shooting percentage yeah it's it's high they shot at 8.57% last year under Rick Tockett and now they're up over 12% so yeah. far this year so okay there's a big jump there but man a lot of it is really impressive hockey competitive no. winning the battles that you need to see and again they they held them to nine shots in the last 40 minutes tonight yeah, they did. I mean, nothing. They gave them absolutely nothing in the third where you would imagine the Islanders would have the extra push to make it interesting. And the Canucks playing three games of four nights, second up a back-to-back, and nothing. They had nothing against the Canucks in the third. Uh, this text, and Fast Eddie Gregory also letting me know here, Myers needs all 41 games this season to reach 1,000 for his career. Does, do those things matter? Does that come into the consideration of, like, you know, whether they scratch him or not? Oh, I see what you mean. Uh Oh, that's an interesting Yeah, so element. if you're scratching him, then he, that, that guarantees yeah. he's not getting 1,000 games this year. Now, is that something that they're thinking about? Now, that about wouldn't prevent me about, about moving him, but... Uh, right. <laughs> no, and... Taking him out... Uh, yeah, that's a bit interesting. I think with Myers, and I mentioned this before, too, people are asking the question, do they sign him? You, you know, yeah. There was a question, too, before. I believe that when they get to the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if they approach him with something like a favorable two-year deal. Like hey, like how they did with Luke Shane. Yeah, yeah, and to say like, hey, here's two years at let's say two point five per year each year. If he takes that, then he stays. Obviously, mm-hmm. if he says no, I want more because he's a righty defenseman having a great season. There are very few of them in free agency. Now he wants to be like he probably could have earned more money last time in free mm-hmm. agency, and he wanted to exclusively come to Vancouver and took a little bit. Believe it or not, like believe it or not, he took a six-year, five-year deal worth six million per season, and there was sense that there were teams out east willing to offer him an extra year at the very least. Now I don't know if it was much more per year, but an extra year at the very least. And he wanted to come to Vancouver so badly because of where he lives in Kelowna and being out here that he left more money on the table. If that's still the thinking, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes something. But mm-hmm. if he's looking at it and saying, you know, I actually have a chance here to to maybe get three, four million from somebody for a few years. Do I go and take that or do I stay? I think that's gonna be the biggest question with Myers. And if and if he's not willing to sign, then I could see them maybe trying to flip him for somebody else at the deadline or something along those lines. But that's the only way I see him signing if if it's a team friendly two year deal. And he improves himself uh to plus sixteen on the year. And he puts himself now uh, what is it, 18 points on the season? It's pretty good. Yeah, and far better defensively. You know, and that's been the biggest turnaround he's had, and he really struggled last year. Uh, Tyler says playoff run is more valuable than Myers getting 1,000 games. And Fair enough, fair enough. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll get to more of your uh, thoughts as the show goes on here. Uh, I do want to talk about Carson Soucy on the other side because somebody's texting in about him, others are asking about him, we'll take more phone calls, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett. But I think Carson Soucy has looked really good, and I've been really impressed with his play. We'll break down how, how strong he played tonight and how he fits in on the squad. It's Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? Number 5 is open. Here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Dumped in by Julian Gocek. 2.45 left in the second. Canucks up 3-1 against the Islanders. Luger for Myers joining the rush. Four Canucks to center. Myers right wing to the Islander line. Shoots. He scores. Tyler Myers tees off a slap shot from the right circle and beats Elias Sorokin off the rush. He hadn't scored in his last 32 games, but he's got one tonight to make it 4-1 Canucks. 
No, that's not a 747 or a Dreamliner taking off at LaGuardia Airport. That's Tyler Myers coming down the right-hand side with a slap shot that goes through Sorokin, a heavy shot in transition, goes blocker side. Canucks 5-2 in New York against the Islanders, sweeping the New York area team's first time in franchise history. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. A lot of reaction on Tyler Myers. Uh, this person saying the idea that we have to trade Myers or resign resign him is a bit off. Third option might just be the best. Keep him and see what happens in free agency. That's certainly a possibility. Yeah. I'm just saying their MO has been with those types of players, and we saw it the past couple of years, that they will, if they want to keep a guy, they'll offer a deal and then they'll mm-hmm. explore trades. That's all I'm saying. But they could be a situation because they're hard to find right-handed defensemen that they keep him and then figure it out later. Certainly a possibility. Keep your thoughts coming in. We'll hit more of your text messages uh, and a lot else as the show goes on and also your phone lines people holding on people that are on the phone lines hold on to your phones and we will get to you coming up in a few minutes but we have to get to the head coach rick talkett and here he is after a 5-2 win in in new york against the islanders i just thought the consistency from everybody there's a lot of like, it was a lot of good efforts tonight you know i thought the pretty well the whole bench a lot of guys contributed thought we had a good first uh, a lot of energy i think you know when you have these type of games you know the first period back to back I thought when we came out the first bunch of shifts, I go, these guys are ready to play. So, um, you know, to win three games in, in the, in the tri you know, in New York and Jersey, that's, a, that's tough to do. You talked about depth scoring being important yeah. and getting it from your defensemen. How great is that to see everyone really step up? Yeah, that was great. I mean, obviously the Myers goal was awesome and uh, Huggy's goal was incredible. I mean, you, you just going on the list, um, you know, it's uh, – when you get that second wave, that rush, that's what, you know, uh, it really helps. Um, and, you know, we forechecked the puck good, and I thought we, it was probably one of our better games of breaking the puck out. That's why our D got some of those chances. Are you happy to get uh, Noah back in? Uh, he said that you told him that he wouldn't be out long, and we know from talking to you yesterday, you weren't really happy about doing it to begin with. But, uh, no, I, I thought he, you know, I thought he had another strong game. It's, it's you know, the world I live in right now is, you know, we got some healthy D, and so we got some, uh, you know, decisions to make, but we'll, we'll worry about that later. But yeah, he was. I thought our D was solid. I, you know, I thought everybody had to. It was, it was a good game. Explain your preference for when you have an extra D, but everyone's playing well. But you would rather rotate and get guys in rather than just leave one out. Yeah, I don't know if I like the word rotation. I, I, um, I don't know what the word I got to think of, but I don't like rotation. It's just you know this guy like. Um, I know. We got, to, we got to figure it out. We're still trying to figure it out. Is it a is it a luxury though? Especially, I mean, you've been skating for weeks with uh, seven guys in warm ups. Uh, usually implies that you've got some guys dinged up. Is it a luxury to have some options back then? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the guy that's coming in is a very capable, capable defenseman. You know, and uh, we get to rest a guy like Ian Cole, who's got you know, who's played really well for us, and we're looking a little long term with him. You know. Um, and obviously he's done a hell of a job for us. So he's a team guy, and uh, that's what I love. About he understood it. You know, and doesn't have to like it, but he understood it. He's a team guy. That's why you know I know Kohler for a bunch of years now. Is it a tough conversation? Yeah, it's 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 tough because you know a guy wants to play. You know, then you you go you know you you have your talk, and then but at the end of the day, you know he understands, and he's a team guy. He's, you know he's in there a fist pump of the guys. So uh, that's why we acquired a guy like Ian Cole. When you put 
Miller, Besser, Pedersen together yeah. um, before that newer game, 8-1 goal differential since you've done it. Yeah. Um, you don't expect a decision like that to resonate like that dramatically right away, but um, what have you thought? Well, they're so opportunistic. You know, if there's a, some kind of breakdown, their conversion rate, right, is, is high. Um, and that's the key with that line, you know. There's a breakdown they're going to make. And obviously, that was a hell of a goal, Millsy to, to Petey there. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously been great. I mean, uh, they're dominating. Um, and it's, you know, if I broke that lineup, I get probably killed in Vancouver. So <laughs> right now they're staying together. But, you know, but like I said, no, it's it's a, it's a great line. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You got three more road games, so I don't know why you're worried. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. They, they, doesn't the Vancouver fans travel well? I mean, they can, they can find me. What's clicked in so well? I think, like, even when they're, you know, little bend, not break. I mean, even so we had some issues or, you know, not as well certain parts of our game, we, we hung in there. That's what I like with this team. They're a little bit resilient. You know, um, you know, I don't think we really put a 60-minute dud together. Um Lately, I mean, and uh, I think it's just a consistency of, of staying with it for me. You talked about tough conversation with Juleson, tough conversation yeah. with Cole, but we know that those guys genuinely support each other. How much, how important is that when you're doing something like this, that the guys all have each other's backs, they're happy for whoever's playing? I mean, uh, since I've got it, I, I always pre- preach the team, you know. It's no different, like... A coach, when there's an empty net, you know, there's eight guys looking, they want to get on, you know, and my thing is, hey, whoever gets on, and I get it, some people want to get on, and we'll, we can talk about it later, but in the moment, be happy for your teammate. So I think that's the key of a good team guy, is, you know, being in the moment, happy for a guy, and then you have the tough conversations with the coach later. Hey, man, you know, why am I not out there, or, you know, how come I'm not playing? But that's for a different time and I think that's what this team's really good at and stay in the moment and that's what being a team guy is just thinking about these three games a lot of goals on non-scoring chances and tonight you lose the special teams battle and some of them aren't close when you have that sort of margin is that just a reflection of how good your performances have been of late? well I think the five on five play I mean I actually thought we had some pretty good chances on the power play so um you know, the the one good thing is I don't want our specialty teams, if you know, if we're having a tough night, or if, if, just not to lose momentum where it, it affects our five-on-five play, because I've seen it happen before, not so much in this team, in history, where if the power play's not going good, it sucks the energy of the five-on-five play. And I haven't seen that. And that's a that's a big thing we have to continue to hear. If, if things don't go well with specialty teams, make sure that the five-on-play doesn't dip. So, yeah, our five-on-play has been really good on the scoring, definitely. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 victory in New York against the Islanders. I mean, cracking jokes, talking about if he's going to break up the lotto line, he can't go back to Vancouver and all that, feeling pretty good. And then the New York reporter jumps in and asks a serious question right in the middle of all the jokes. <laughs> I mean, he had a stand-up routine going there, the head coach. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. You win three games in a row. Yeah, and you know, one thing he talked about, too, is like, that whole notion about being happy for your teammates mm-hmm. and it's like hey if you have a concern or you wish you were out there time more, and place time and place like hey support your guys but we can talk about it afterwards it's okay to talk about it afterwards and you see that I mean, you saw the enthusiasm on the guys the empty net goal was scored you saw you know garland you know being so enthusiastic for his garland teammates. last game with uh, you know going to demco 
Yeah, and, and I mean, and we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, people are texting in about that too, about Connor Garland. I'm going to find this this one that we got a bit earlier. Who else has been watching Garland lately? What a hype man. He looks like he's having a blast out there. <laughs> uh, and he, I know he mentioned a little while ago, this is the most fun he's having playing hockey. But he's a guy that probably wants to play more, could play a little bit more. Sure. And you see the enthusiasm he plays with, right? And and he's just been so incredibly, you know, effective out there. I think Connor Garland has, um, you know, we had the nickname somebody texted him. Was it... Uh, Pesky blinders. Yeah. So, and I mean, his game is pesky, mm-hmm. but he's playing so much more direct and right to now. to assist tonight from Connor Garland, right? And it's... The bottom line is there. I, I know there's a demand for goals and all that sort of stuff, but now going back to, you know, early December, uh, Connor Garland's been very productive, you know, in the role. Like, we're talking about someone who, you know, consistently, you know, hovering around, you know, 14... 14, 15 minutes. So that, that's really about it. Since uh, the start of, uh, since November, or sorry, December 5th, his low mark is 12, 14, and his high mark would be, uh, he played tonight. I think I think tonight is his high mark because it would have been 16, 15 tonight. So it's the, it's the most he's played since December 5th, and it's 13 points here in 16 games. So he's being productive now all of a sudden. And as much as we talk about, yeah, you want to play more? You can tell the role that he's playing is extremely valued. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the minutes may vary. You, know, you might not be as consistent than Miller and Pedersen. But you play this, and you are going to be valued in your role. And you have import to this team all of a sudden. Absolutely. And there's real value in, in how he's playing. And, also and by the way, it's earned. It's, Dude, it's completely it, it, earned. It's not like, oh, I want it out. My agent complained. We gave you a run and all this. It's straight up earn from Connor Garland, who I'm sure is used to that in his whole career. I, listen, I've, I've criticized I criticized Garland the past couple, you mean last year a bit more, but especially early parts of the season. He's, like, the way he's playing, I have no, I have nothing mm-hmm. negative to say about his game. Nothing, you know? And there was a lot of empty shots and a lot of empty calorie metrics for him earlier this season. That's all gone. I mean, he's converting, not only converting, but he's putting the puck into far more dangerous areas. And instead of just throwing the puck on net, he's creating more looks for his teammates. He's being more aggressive when he's getting that space. And you, you really can't do anything but laud how well he's played and, and how he's been able to get himself uh, not only into the good books, but being an integral part of this team right now. It's been fantastic. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll take more reaction there. Uh, but let's go back to the phone boards. We have a few people waiting patiently to get on, and we'll start things off in Regina, where we have Gabe on the line. Gabe, what's going on? What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited for this uh, final half. I hope you guys are. Absolutely. Oh, of course, man. Hyped. Uh, you know, I want to make a comment. I, I, I don't think we want to upset the chemistry of this team. Um, I'm thinking maybe, you guys tell me, but could we dangle a little bit of AHL, uh, Pod Coles and Sea Lobs? There must be some teams out there that we're looking that are looking for a tender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, is that, is that a, a thought, a possibility? I mean, I don't know how C-Lobs is doing this year, but just wondering. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad thought, Gabe. Thanks for your phone call. I mean, put close to the way he's played. I'm sure he would be somebody that teams would be interested in mm-hmm. cheap contract has control on everything. Uh, C-Lobs, I'm sure as well. Goldie values are kind of strange. And considering that next season, DeSmith, 
may be priced out. Seelovs mm-hmm. may be the backup for next season. But I understand what he means in terms of what else do they have if you don't want to trade anybody off the roster. Now, the thing is, even if you're trading somebody, say, from the AHL, you still have to make room on the roster. Correct. There's only 12 forwards. And right now, like, who is the forward that comes out? Probably Nils Oman. Oman, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, Oman potentially. Now we don't know where you know Kuzmenko's at with the coach sometimes or whatever it is. But the, the last couple of games have been much better. He has, he has been. I thought he had a strong game tonight. That line I thought was relatively strong tonight. It's it's one of those things where someone's gonna have to make room for somebody at some point, and if you're trying to add somebody significant, you may have to part with something that's gonna be uncomfortable to part with. But this team has said that, that they're, they're willing to do unpopular moves. They're not afraid of doing it. They've shown it. In terms of not disrupting the chemistry, though, like it's it's becoming a more legitimate point, Bic, with every passing game because mm-hmm. of the way Garland's played on that line. Like you can't touch that, right? And the way Hoaglander's playing, has Hoaglander played well enough on that fourth line that you're like, he's got to play every day? He's got 12 goals on the season. Yeah, and, and especially given that he's, again, we're, we're talking about taking ownership of a role. You know, he got the spell with JT. Yeah, you know, differing results, but in that role, like it's constantly moving. Like he and Lafferty are a problem, and Lafferty got that joke of a penalty uh, at the uh, near the end of the uh, yeah. second period. But they they are very difficult to deal with when they're playing like that. And Hoaglander tonight uh, ends up playing eleven oh six. So go play a really energetic eleven minutes, and he, and he's been doing that when when he got. Pushed back into that line uh, with Lafferty and Oman and whoever else was there, you know, Linus Carlson. Yeah. Um, for for Nils Hoaglander, that's that's exactly what we want to see. Yeah. No, it is right. And uh, are they going to make a tough decision? Ultimately, we'll find out. Right now, Canucks riding high through forty-one games. The thing I'll say though is because it's so early, right? We're talking about it's January 9th, mm-hmm. and people are making like okay, trade deadline acquisitions. There's more confidence the team's going to you know get to the playoffs. If you're gonna make, if you're worried about chemistry, you probably want to do something earlier rather than later. And the uh, mo for management here, mm-hmm. Rutherford, of course, but also last year with Alvin, they got ahead of it. So it was January twenty fourth. Horvat was traded. January thirtieth, I believe. Okay, I believe. I Wait, be no, wrong. sorry. January twenty fourth was the coaching change. Yes, something like that. There we go. Uh, all right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 656.50. Was I right? January 30th on Boho. Oh, you want me to look this up? No, I'm pretty uh, sure I am. You're, you're right, 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 you're right. You're right. No, I, I know. It's like me and Natalie Portman. I was right about that, too. Not surprised. <laughs> hey, at least you got the score right tonight. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. All right, let's go back to the phone boards. Me and uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> let's go to Dallas, where we have Nav on the line. Nav, thanks for calling in, buddy. What are your thoughts tonight? Not much. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Wow, what a four days. That's... Uh... A sweep in New York in four nights? Not unheard of. Um, it could have been 4 0 if we didn't take that night off against the Blues. <laughs> well, listen, you can't win every game, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They do bounce back strong after losses, though. Yeah, no kidding. Um, getting Susie back was huge. I didn't realize how solid he is back there. Um, glad we didn't spend money on Bear because Julison has been looking solid. Um, he's improved so much since starting the season. Thanks to this coaching staff we got over here. Um, like, one of the big reasons I remember back in t- between 2010 and 2013 or whatever it was, we were getting a lot of production from the back end, and we haven't got that. We haven't had that since then, and it looks like we're finally getting that again. Um, 
It's funny how there's so many haters just waiting for this team to fall off and progress all season. Biggest one is that uh, Mr. Negative Draft either on Canucks Talk. But uh, they just keep getting better and better after losses, uh, thanks to this coaching staff. I thought Boudreaux was honest, but I just love how talking is so straight up and he does what he says. And uh, what else did I have to say here? Oh, yeah, the management. It's unbelievable how they've they fixed Benny's mess so quickly in the last couple of years. Our amateur team's looking good. We got some prospects finally. And then the lotto line. Wow, they're so fun to watch out there. Petey looks reju- rejuvenated again. Um, the chemistry looks even better than it was before. I think if we could just get, like, maybe uh, a number two play-driving winger or a setter that can play with Kuzi, we can have four lines to roll like Vegas did last year. I'm sure the Rutherford and Alvin probably have something planned, but they'll probably pull the trigger when time is right. Yeah, And last thing is... Oh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the last thing I want to say is, what do you guys think about Joshua? I think he's been playing very good. What do you think it's going to cost to keep him next season? Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Nav in Dallas. On on keeping Joshua, I mean, people are texting in about Greenway and O'Raymond texting about mm-hmm. Greenway a while back, and I know Dollywall mentioned his name as somebody the Canucks might be interested in. Three million per season. I mean, if he's he's got what eleven goals. If he gets like if he gets that like close to twenty goals, if, if, if he gets. He's kind of on pace for 40 points. If he gets like, even if he gets 35 plus points, 17 goals or so, like someone might throw him close to 3 million per season. He might get priced out of Vancouver. That mm-hmm. might be a reality for him. It might be a reality for a few guys, even Teddy Bluger. You know, Suter has another year on his deal, thankfully, because, mm-hmm. you know, the way he's played, he would have priced himself out too. I mean, some of these guys are pricing themselves out. Uh, now, like a guy I do think about is. Uh, now he he scored at I think at a better points per game rate in his contract year than Dakota Joshua is right now because Joshua is kind of hovering around point four nine so this is kind of a different case but we're talking about someone who kind of came into the league a bit late at age twenty four like Joshua but Mason's Marchman Mason Marchman he that, scored a bit more but yeah he, he had like a point eight seven that one year yeah. it was just a ridiculous pace but he ended up putting putting up forty seven points in fifty four games uh, with Florida in twenty one twenty two and then he, he always got- gets paid um, from. Dallas, he gets four million per season. Yeah, but that's also a guy that's like had really good uh, expected goals numbers yeah. and everything like that. So, you know, maybe as far as AAV, it lives in the same range. Maybe not total money because I think Dallas ended up was at four by four. four right? I think four. Yeah, yeah. So, look, if if he ends up putting up, 40, if he gets twenty goals. If he gets yeah. twenty goals, he's he's got eleven. He's on pace for twenty two. If he gets twenty goals, then he's probably going to be yeah. Marshman got eighteen million over four, so yeah. four and a half. Four and a half. Now, I don't know if he gets up there. I, I think it'll be closer to three range if he scores a bit more. But still, but that's like, where he's at. Yeah, he, he's he's getting to the stage where it's not just dollars, but term. Yeah, the term might be a bit of an issue, but yeah, the dollars that's, they still matter, especially as you're trying to navigate the cap. Um, let's take one more phone call. Uh, nonstop today. Nonstop. Non nonstop. Um, uh, somebody else texted. I guess this caller hasn't listened to Drance very much since around the twenty game. Or I mean, Drance been saying positive things about the team too. So you know, the shot you know fired and that somebody defending Drance in a text inbox. All fair, all fair. Uh, let's take one more phone call here before we hit the break. And it is Tambir in Surrey. Tambir, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts tonight? You know what, guys? Um, going back to last year, they blew so many third period leads. Um, I didn't think that there would be twenty four zero. <laughs> yeah, twenty four and zero after leading after two periods. What Rick Tockett has done, I know the D core is a lot different, and management deserves credit for revamping the defensive core. 
um, adding a lot of good pieces like Koronik, Susie, and Ian Cole. And Noah Juleson has, has been a, you know, a product of this coaching staff as well. It's just an unbelievable stat for me to wrap my head around because every time I, I watch Canucks games in the last, you know, since 2012, uh, they would blow the lead going into um, the third period. And uh, they they look confident. They look like they're not going to do anything to mess it up. And uh, it's really, really great to see. I want to bring up uh, another point here. You've got to let Mike and Langley call in every every night because it's getting really, really funny right now. Like The comedy of it is just... It is must listen, and I hope he continues to call and make make a fool of himself. I think there's five teams in the Western Conference that are legit contenders, and yes, the Vancouver Canucks are one of them. I'd go Vegas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and uh, the last team, uh, uh, Dallas. I don't, I'm not a big believer in the LA Kings. Uh, Luke du- uh, Pierre Luc Dubois is playing on the fourth line for them right now. Yeah, it's rough. Which is hilarious because the the Winnipeg the Winnipeg Jets what they what they got back in return for that trade is looking like a steal. And uh, you know I don't know. Uh, like I said, I'm going to agree with the, the previous caller before the last one. I wouldn't touch this roster right now. I would trade the first round pick and Vasily Pod Colton in a heartbeat if you could get what this team needs, and that's a second line center. And I got a name for you guys, and I want, to get, I want to get your thoughts on it. Cole Sillinger from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's 20 years old, cost control, uh, final year of his ELC. He hasn't put up the numbers that you expected him to put up after his rookie season, but he's young enough where, you know, it might be worth, worth a shot to see what this kid could do uh, on this team. Uh, hey, Tambier, thanks for your phone call. And, uh, you know, on, on the L.A. Kings and Pierre-Luc Dubois, first of all, the Kings have now lost six straight games, lost again tonight. Winless in six. Yeah. Winless in six, but it was an overtime loss tonight, so they did pick up a point, extra time loss, so they picked up an, a point here tonight. Pierre-Luc Dubois, the last 17 games, Bick, is averaging 15 minutes of ice time. 15 minutes of ice time. And uh, over that stretch... He picked up an he picked up uh, no points tonight. Dash two. So over that stretch, uh, he has five points, and he is minus eight, playing fifteen minutes a game. Minus eight, five points in his last seventeen. Eight point five mil. Yeah, it's it's, it's been tough. Eight Hasn't years. quite worked out. And uh, the other point Tambier makes is don't mess up with the roster. He would trade a uh, put Coles in a first round pick. However. Mm-hmm. Again, all these things could be in play potentially. Um, I'll say this about the like the cylinder thing. Cool name and good player. Why would they trade him? You've heard me say this before, Seth. <laughs> the infrastructure of the trading market is not designed for your fandom. Right. You, you have to ask yourself why would Columbus move a twenty-one, a twenty-year-old player? It, it, it's not as if they're like struggling for cap space right now, and they're like, oh no, what are we going to do with this guy here? Like. They're, they're going to be able to afford to give him an extension. Yeah. Um, so, again, yeah, it's like, I love Cole Sillinger here. But. Realistic. The the, the names kind of, like, have to make well, some sense. Like, they're, they're clearly rebuilding. They're, they're not ready to give up on 20-year-olds. No. Now, uh, on the other side, we are going to talk about Carson Soucy, like we mentioned, a bit more. Uh, we, are, we have more phone calls. We'll take another phone call on the other side. Uh, we'll get to Ian McIntyre as well. We won't dig too much into the trade stuff. There's so much to talk about about this game. But something to keep in mind, and we'll certainly, you know, dig into it. But you're right. It's. Somebody has to be available. Maybe we're seeing more guys come available. We saw Cutter Gauthier, prospect, get traded. Jamie Drysdale, a real NHL young defenseman, get traded. That was but look unexpected. what had to happen. Well, of course. All, you know, sure. Now Zegris, you had to leave him on red. Zegris' name is being thrown out there. You're right. But I'm wondering, like, 
every things happen every year. Sure, yeah. And are we at a point where we're starting to see come, things come to the surface that make players available that we didn't expect before, right? And I think that may change the, uh, the targets as well and what happens. Let's get this text in before we hit the break. Brandon in Manhattan. I flew with my buddy from Vancouver to New York to watch all three games on this road swing. It was cool seeing so many Canucks jerseys and their fans praising our team quite a lot. That's Brandon in Man- Manhattan enjoying the game. Great stuff, buddy. I'm glad you got to see all three victories and uh, good times are being had by That's Canucks a great fans road trip. all across. Yeah, first time in in Canucks history. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I I mean for like a, oh, a yeah, trip. Oh, yeah, 100%. But to also witness yes. something that's never happened in Canucks history makes it an even extra good trip uh, for Brandon and his buddies in Manhattan. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text in the box. We'll take more on the other side. We'll take more of your phone calls. We'll talk about Carson Soucy, the Canucks defense, Elias Patterson, and Ian McIntyre will join us as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on, presented by the number five orange. If you can peel your eyes off the stage, they've got hockey, football, and more on the big screens. That's next. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Zadorov, coast to coast, behind the Islander goal. Out the right wing side, back to the line. Hironic with a heavy drive. It was blocked in the slot by one of the Islanders who's down in a heap. Now McKayev gets a one-timer. Sorokin stopped that. Hironic for the right circle. Scores! Philip Hironic with a snapshot beats Elias Sorokin up high after he felled Casey Sezikis, who blocked his initial drive from the point. And the Canucks take a 1-0 lead with 3.35 left in the first. And the Canucks strike. Hurting the Islanders on the scoreboard and the ice. Casey Sezikis takes a shot right off the knee from Philip Hronik. Canucks, 5-2 victory in New York against the Islanders. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. We'll take a phone call coming up in a second. But we've been mentioning, you know, for a bit here the last little while, Carson Soucy and how mm-hmm. he played. And, you know, the only thing we outlined was... A good defensive play he made. I mean, a great defensive play, knocking a puck out of the air on a two-on-one, which would have been knocked into the net by Matthew Barzell, who had a gaping uh, cage to... uh, Poke uh, that one in, yeah. Yeah, so great defensive play there. Uh, Mike and Tawasson, Red Sauce, Susie, Texan, and others giving Carson Susie love on the text inbox. But you really can't say enough about how good he's been. Somebody texted and says he's a legit top four player. Like, there's a lot, a lot to like about his game right now. Such a stabilizing force, right? And you think after a long layoff like that, eight weeks away, you know, it's going to take you time to get up to speed. And it, it has not looked at all out of place. Uh, just the timing's been perfect. It just makes consistent, smart plays. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, he was so strong uh, at the uh, right before he got hurt. That okay, like the usage has to go up, and, and you know while he was out, like Myers and Zadorov were yeah. basically the second pairing because Cole and Juleson, you know, you're not really going to put Noah Juleson on the second pairing as much as Cole might have a higher standing than uh, Zadorov and Myers. But now you see him come back in, and suddenly here's Tyler Myers yeah. now. Like Susie and Myers to me is the pairing that mm-hmm. that really looks strong together. Um, 
and is it a credit to Carson Susi why Tyler Myers is having uh, such an effective time? He's so good with his details defensively, Susi. I mean, his stick has been so active. He, he breaks plays up all over the ice. He's in the right spot continuously. But he's also really good at reading the play and then making simple plays to his teammates. Offensively, too, he knows how to play off guys. He, he holds the line really well. I mean, I'm having a hard time Think right of all now. the different facets you just talked about yeah, there. I, like, having... we're, we're not talking about a one-dimensional no, player. Exactly. Let me highlight, and I even hate saying that I'm going to say this, but like, no Jolson. Yeah. Right? Really effective penalty killer. And we mentioned, okay, just be do the simple things well. And he really is, right? He's, yeah, he's, he's physical earning his, too. Yeah. He's earning his playing time and, you know, credible NHL D-man, no Jolson. But you just touched on like four different, five different facets yeah. of the game of, okay, you're joining the rush, you're doing this, you're complimenting this, you're blocking shots. He's really featuring a bit to the point that you look at it and say, "Oh, it's only a three-year deal." It's like, "Wow, only three years? Yeah. It's a bargain." I mean, it's it's an unbelievable coup. It, it really is. And if he can grow even more and play even bigger minutes as in the next couple of years go by, I mean, you're talking about a huge contributor to the back end. So I've been overly, I've really, really impressed with Carson Susi's play and just the puck moving ability. You know, just simple things again. Like I'm not asking a lot from Carson Susi, but he's delivering what you're asking of him, and it's been fantastic uh, to watch so far. Jen Texton and says early games Buffalo Jan 15 uh, which is Saturday this Saturday 1 p.m. game and Columbus Jan 17 midweek am I missing a stat I'm as confused as Sorokin on the EP40 goal well January 15th is, is Martin Luther yeah. King Day and it's a national holiday in the U.S. and that's why the game against Columbus is so early like for us it's like it's really weird because 10 a.m. game yeah but uh, for the for the Americans that's why that game is being, play- being played at 10 uh, the Buffalo game at 1 p.m. I don't know. I imagine get away from football because football because yeah, you know it's because you know it's NFL playoffs, so you just stagger the, the and they probably expected the Bills to be there yeah. and everything or whatever. That might be somewhat directed at that. But as far as that Monday game goes, America. I holiday. don't think it's a national game or anything. Like no, that. it's not. Uh, well, we have TV on uh, regional. Like we have a oh, we're gonna go. we uh, we're gonna be on pregame on TV, and those are for regional games. So uh, yeah, that's why the game is at that time. Because well, I think they only have one more American national. Uh, televised game. I think it's against Anaheim in late March. Yeah. Uh, yeah, TNT is March 31st. It's the only other American uh, national game they have. So there you go. Yeah. Odd odd timing this week. They, they, they actually have a lot of early games coming up because they got um, the, the two coming up here, obviously, uh, Buffalo and Columbus, 1 p.m. and 10 a.m. They have back-to-back uh, Saturday, Sunday, 10, 10.30 games in February against Detroit and Washington. 11 a.m. February 19th mm-hmm. uh, at Minnesota. So uh, be be ready to be up and early a lot for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. 12.30 against Anaheim, that Sunday game I mentioned. And we've got some early games yeah. coming up. So looking forward to that. Even a Super Bowl Sunday is an early game. So because we're gonna, we're gonna be oh, yeah. off work at three, and then the game's yeah. at three thirty, we're we'll rushing over to watch it. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your text messages on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. There's one from Jeff and Langley. I'm gonna get to in a second, uh, but let's take a phone call before we do that. 604-280-0650. and let's go to Dave in Delta. Dave, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Um, I was uh, quite impressed. Um, the uh, lotto line is. Uh, doing everything they need to do. They make through, uh, like three unbelievable plays in the last two games. And uh, the, the reason why I called was uh, Kuzmenko needs to be within like 15 to 20 feet of the net. Um, he's not a forechecking guy. And they're trying to make him a forechecking guy. Uh, uh, Mikheyev should be the one that's doing the forechecking on that line. 
he's a good four checker and he's quick and he's fast. And so basically I want him to be like the Besser on, on whatever line he's on. Um, I mentioned that last year when I said that he should turn himself into Tim Kerr, right? Besser. And that's exactly what he's done. And that's exactly what I see for Kuzmenko also. Otherwise, uh, the other two lines, they're, they've got great chemistry. And that's why um, Joshua is doing so well. And uh, also Hoaglander is, is, the thing with Hoaglander is you can put him on any line. And because he works really, really hard, um, he makes any line you put him on better, right? So uh, those are my thoughts so far. Hey, uh, thanks for the phone call, Dave. Uh, on on the Kuzmenko thing, I get what he's saying, but it's not even so much about, yeah, I mean, Mikheyev is the designated forechecker, quote-unquote, but whoever's the first guy into the zone has to forecheck. Mm-hmm. That's just the way the system is, and that's why the coach says, like, if you're the first guy in, you got to go and do it. Like we talk a lot about F1 and four checking and then, you know, F3 and all those sort of things. And as much as, as it's like, these are traits players may have that are better, depending on how the play unfolds, whoever's the first guy in has to do, has a four check. So it's like, you have to play to the system. And as far as Besser is concerned, Besser four checks, Besser's been really good along the walls. Besser's been good at digging pucks out. And yeah, he's not, he's not the go-to four checker, but there are times you have to four check. So I don't even think it's so much about asking Kuzmenko to do something in, you know, he shouldn't do. It's like literally do what you're supposed to do. Like you don't have to go and be a four checker, but when you have to four check, you got to four check. The the other part of this too is Brock Messer is aware of his role. Yes. Of not just all all the other elements of going to be the four checker. Uh, Brock Messer has attempted 208 shots this uh, season coming into tonight. Uh, If I just do some quick math. So he's actually at 213 shot attempts so far this year. So if you, if you want Andre Kuzmaiko to play like Brock Messer, Andre Kuzmaiko has to shoot way more. He's at 120 shot attempts now yeah. after tonight. You've got to shoot the puck more. There's, it, it's not as if he's like, oh, he's playing on the fourth line. Like He's played with Elias Patterson. Yeah. He's played on the power play. There's a stark difference. And, yeah, I, I, I sit here and I think we can all look at it and say, he's got a really good shot. Shoot more. He doesn't seem to want to utilize it. And and so now he's in this role, and he's kind of playing like Connor Garland. He's kind of playing like Nils Hoaglander. He's play driving from mm-hmm. the wing, which is different. But, you know, he's – Paid to score goals. He scored 39 yeah. last year. It, it, they're, they're asking him to do something he might be uncomfortable with. Yeah, it might be. Uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, it's going to come down to, can he find a way to make it work here? Worked marvelously last year. Not so much so far this season. However, I thought he was fine tonight with, with Mikheyev. I thought, again, like that line had 9-13 of ice time at 5-on-5. Five five, six, sec- six more seconds than the Bluger-Garland-Joshua line. So, But the Canucks tonight, well, they got contributions all over their lineup. I mean, five goals for five different goal scorers. Um, it was Philip Hironik open up, opening up the scoring, and then Quinn Hughes. Uh, then you had Elias Pettersson, Tyler Myers, and then Dakota Joshua into an empty net. And, um, you know, Philip Hironik had a couple points on the evening. And, and as far as, you know, the, the top-end defensemen go, and I know we spoke about them a little bit, especially with Randeep off the top, and we'll talk to IMAC here in a few minutes, but an absolutely incredible performance from Quinn Hughes and Hironic. And Quinn, that goal Quinn scored, like we haven't talked enough about how he just danced his way through the defensive zone to get into the slot and then wire a shot past Sorokin. It's his deceptiveness, his edge work, his confidence, his his audacity to go into those areas and go through sticks and then wire a shot past the goalie. When was the last? I mean, this year we're talking about Quinn Hughes wiring shots past goalies, his 11th goal of the season. 
on pace with 22 goals, Quinn Hughes. It's a reemergence for that line for that pairing to to remind everyone because it had waned here for the last you know month of yeah this is what a peak looks like and for them to show the case of the peak once again uh, just like you know the lotto line their their, their uh, reunion has been uh, fantastic so uh, good for using Ronick showing of what it looks like when two top players can drive play. Yeah, and it, it, these last couple of games have been remarkable for those two. Well, this team has gone to a different level. Game forty against the Rangers, the lotto line, the whole team obviously they took another step, and now the def- defensemen, the way they play, they're showing another step. And you know, Jeff and Langley asked us this question. He said after the St. Louis game, uh, Sat said we would find out a lot about this team through the course of this road trip. I was a bit lo- less optimistic myself after the St. Louis game, as that seemed like a very indifferent effort with a daunting six games remaining on the road trip with better opponents, especially the New York teams. In these last few games, I'd even say the Canucks have played even better than the final score might dictate, especially that New Jersey game with the Devils' goals coming from a distance. That's Jeff and Langley. I completely agree. I thought they were better than the final score dictated against the Devils. I thought they were tremendous yesterday. And tonight, they were absolutely aces against the New York Islanders. And we'd learn something else about this team. It's three wins, right? They're one win away mm-hmm. from having a successful road trip, right? And I'm sure they'll pick up two points through the next three, you know, games by hook or by hook or some, one some way point or another. In the next three games, right? Because you, you get, get 500, yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm talking about success, sure. as in like, you know, the bar, the, I see. I, I, the bar I see for, for success okay. is winning and yep. winning is, you know, it gets fair eight. enough, fair enough. But I feel confident watching this team and my view has has improved of them. I wouldn't say change, it's improved because the way they're playing these games, I mean, three games and four nights in. Jersey, the Rangers, and the Islanders. Canucks have never won these three games in a row before, and they did it in absolute stunning fashion. They're getting ready to go to a place where they've lost three in a row as well with Pittsburgh. And there's a game I always think about it. You know I've referenced this to you. It was the 2019 season against Pittsburgh, that 8-6 game, if you remember. Like I always think about that game. It stands out. and just, You saw how hungry a team like Pittsburgh was to win that game. The, the empty net goal is the one I re- reference all the time by Malkin in that game. Yeah. And now here's this team, the Vancouver Canucks, going to Pittsburgh, playing hungry all the time. They've lost three in a row at Pittsburgh. Not that I think they think about it, but you go put a statement against Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, Carlson, that'd be huge. Yeah. That would be huge. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it feels like we're making big demands of this team. They always step up, but I would love to see another committed, dominant performance again against Pittsburgh. I would love to see it. You know, and, you know, we'll see how, how results unfold, you know, because you can play a good game. You may not get a result. It's about your process, and, and those things do matter. Uh, it's just the way this team is kind of seemingly growing within their system and, and how they're generating offense. And a lot of it does come down the last few games, of course, having Pedersen with Miller and with Besser. And Hironic and Hughes have been a duo this entire season. But you see the level this team can go to when that clicks, when Especially get, when they're out there with the lotto line. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's utter dominance. I mean, they were cooking the Islanders tonight. Like, it was, it was funny watching Quinn Hughes just elegantly dance through and dominate this game. Like, he doesn't dominate the way, you know, traditional, you know, number one defensemen do, mm-hmm. you know, with, with a big, you know, hulking style of play or, or even like, you know, tons of shots at all times or going out there and just dictating with He's not pace. buffling. He's not pronger. He's, he's his own thing right now. Yeah. And, and, and Sportsnet tweeted the stat out too. Uh, D-men in the history of the NHL with 50 points and a plus 30 rating. Bobby Orr's done it six times. Potvin's done it once. 
Paul Coffey's done it twice, and now you can add Quinn Hughes to this list. A pretty remarkable list of players. Hall of Famers, some of the best defensemen to ever grace the ice in the National Hockey League. And that's what Quinn Hughes is doing, and it's the elegance he does it with Bick, you know? And it's just so beautiful to watch this guy dominate the way he does. And there's nothing soft about it at all, the way he's playing right the now. The play he actually even made earlier in the game, uh, let alone the goal, but a bouncing puck coming back into his own zone where he's retrieving it, yeah. and... It's it's not as if he just does it on his own, knocks it down. Engvall's on him. Yeah, on him, like right away. And it's just like, knock it down, skate away, puck gone. He's 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 fantastic. He makes it look way too easy. And so does the man who joins us, the man we call the triple threat, the closer. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. Well, the connects are made Days. Are you they know, I made ever? Look, I made I made it look easy last night in the visiting dressing room at Madison Square Garden when I just about tripped and fell on oh, uh, no. Thatcher Demko's goal pads. Oh no! Sitting in sitting in the floor of the cramped uh, dressing room. Yes, it was an embarrassing moment as I was going down, but I didn't go down. You know, because I'm an athlete. Yes, so I recovered. Nice. Well, you pause for. Pause for comedic effect. Well, you're a soccer uh, player. You have good balance. Yes. All I saw was this gleaming white pad right below where my foot was about to stomp to catch myself. And I thought, I cannot put a footprint on Thatcher Demko's pad. And Demko and DeSmith were just sort of sitting in their stalls watching me bemused. But Demko, to his credit, said it was his fault because he had tossed some equipment and I tried to alter my step i said no it's my fault they, they what sewered me was age so thank you for thinking i make something look easy i'm not sure what that is but the canucks are making it look easy what a story that would have been <laughs> uh, unscheduled was, start for casey to smith because of uh <laughs> ian mcintyre starting goal there's been there's been a couple of amusing moments on this trip so far in in the locker room. Uh, Connor Garland is is acting in a well, very funny and energetic manner. So Jovial? Is he happy? He, he's happy. He's happy. He's wry. I would say he's wry. Oh, yeah. No spry. Not spry. No wry. Uh, wry. Yeah, he's wry. It's a northeast he's, humor, right? He's, He's walking around with a smile, and he and J.T. Miller are going at each other periodically in a, in a good-natured way. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Miller after the game yesterday, and Garland came over and chirped about something. And he walked away and said, there's seriously something wrong with that guy. And I said, <laughs> I said yeah, I know. And then Miller yelled to Garland, you hear that? Max said he knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. I mean, they're feeling good. Yeah. Aren't they? Well, every, listen, everyone's in a good mood when when the team is is winning like this. And uh, you know what? I don't uh, begrudge them that uh, happiness at all. Can, uh, especially the guys who have been here through most or all of the last three years. They they deserve to be able to to have a laugh and enjoy their accomplishments. But it's impressive how they are able to push that uh, sense of joy and satisfaction aside each time, almost each time it comes uh, to drop the puck on another game. Cause I thought tonight, I thought tonight was going to be a real challenge for them. Just 
you know, 24 hours yeah. after the, the Rangers win, third game in four nights. A team, uh, New York, they're not the fastest team, but they're generally not not easy to play against. The Canucks have had mixed results here. And it was the most lopsided. Well, no, the Canucks were very good against Jersey. Mm-hmm. They're very good in all three games. I don't know what was the most lopsided. But I, I didn't think the Islanders were even close to them tonight. You know, the Canucks building the two nothing lead late in the first and and you know never looked threatened uh after that and the the fact that they're able to have this uh, at that kind of performance on the third night out of the four with what they've already uh done in the first two games to me was was really impressive tyler myers said after he told me he thought with the 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 way that they stuck to the de- the details uh, during these three games were maybe the best stretch that they've had this season or one of the best stretches that they've had this season. I would concur. I, I want to ask you about you know, just, just the, the vibes then of that locker room then right now, because you, you describe moments like that, the, the, the levity of, you know, the, at this stage of the season, are there moments in, in seasons past, not not with this group that you recall of like, okay, once you kind of know that you're kind of going to the playoffs, obviously there's still some work to do, but playing loose and, and just kind of embracing the, the, the vibes of what a season is becoming. Does this remind you of anything? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, teams are, teams are happier when they win. I know mm-hmm. that. And, and so I would just say it reminds me of that, that when, when things are going really well, it's just better uh, for everyone. But I would say, you know, I would caution they're, they're not acting this way because they think they're going to the playoffs. Sure. They're acting this way because they're having these, uh, these nightly successes and are genuinely having fun doing it. This is this has been uh, very gratifying. Uh, those guys don't like to use the word uh, satisfied because it implies that maybe they won't be as hungry for the next game. You know, Quinn and I had this uh, quote in my story uh, from last night's game, <clears throat> where I kind of put the question to Quinn, like, I know you've stayed, you've tried to stay in in the moment all season and use that mantra earn your day and you've told me that you're you you can't be satisfied but after a win like this in madison square garden this is all my preamble you know (laughs) can you can you does it at least feel special and he said i wish i could say it i wish i could but i don't i it i don't i'm already worried about the next game so so the you know it's uh, they they've been able to keep that focus, but uh, they are they are having fun. He actually was smiling as he said it, at least. So, what? but you know they're 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 driven. They're they're hungry, and it seems the the more they achieve, the more the more they realize what they might be capable of, and and the hungrier they get. It's a nice cycle to be in versus some of those other cycles that they've been in. In previous years, well, that hunger um, clearly so far is paying off because what's defining it in the most impressive way for me is Ian. You mentioned you know playing well tonight on the back to back, but it looks like they've they've taken another step as a team. Like they, they look like they're better. They're, they look like they're they're generating offense more creatively. They're generating it at a higher level. Yeah, they have a lot of lines together, and Quinn Hughes, of course, did his thing. But the other lines did not, you know, miss a beat tonight with how they played. It seems like they've really honed in on the style of team they are, and now they're really starting to express themselves within their system. Yeah, uh, I remember Ian Cole 
who I find fascinating. And, and by the way, I think this is, this is also a really interesting turn uh, for, for the team and for talk it and the culture that they're now looking at. And you probably listened to talk. It's uh, post game comments. Mm-hmm. He didn't like, he didn't like my use of the word rotation, but they're, they're now to the point where they can bring guys in and take guys out. And this is, you know, it's about depth. It's about talent. It's about team building. It's about culture too. Cause you can't do those things if you don't have a strong culture because it, it could be disruptive. You could have players who are unhappy. It affects others. They're, they're past that now. Like they've built something here where they can now do this where, where they take Cole out. But I remember Cole saying to me at the start of the year, and of course seven, nine straight appearances in the playoffs for a variety of teams. So all the guys done with whatever team he's on, you can talk about his role or, or whatever you like, but he's been, all he's done is win. And so I think he, including a couple of Stanley Cups, so I think he knows what it takes to do that. And uh, and I can't remember if I da- asked him about culture specifically or, or team building. And he said, you know, a winning team isn't necessarily where everybody loves each other. Uh, a winning team is when everybody believes that everybody else is working as hard as you are to try to win, no matter what their role is. And it seems like that's where the Canucks are right now. It doesn't matter if you're the fourth line, if you're the lifeline, if you're you're the a PK guy, a power play guy, you're the lotto line, Hughes and Ronick, who, who were just phenomenal through these three games, or now part of this this uh, group um, of of defensemen, you know, two th- or sorry, three through seven. Everybody, everybody is fully invested, and uh, everybody is is playing, knowing that what they do is important. Whether it's for eight minutes or eighteen minutes or twenty eight minutes, if you're Quinn Hughes, some nights, everybody feels like their contribution is is valued and and respected and i think you know you asked me bick if it reminds me of past teams i mean the the great canuck teams that they had with the sedines it was like that as well you know yeah they had they had the sedines on one line they had kessler uh centering another line but you know they had yannick Hansen in various places, they had Higgins, and I'm just kind of spitballing names right now, but they had guys throughout their lineup. And then, of course, a, a really good defense top top to bottom, even though they had nobody remotely as good as, as Quinn Hughes, but a really solid defense. Everybody, everybody had a role. Everybody felt that what they did was important, and and everybody was respected by their teammates for doing it. And I think that's what this kind of reminds me of. The Canucks have gotten there. I think it's that way with all with all successful teams. You have to make everybody feel you have to make them understand that their the role no matter how big or small is important and it's vital that they do it to the best of their ability so they're not the one guy who who's letting others down. I think that's 
kind of what this team has gotten to through these first 41 games. I don't think we've asked you this, so I'll ask it to you now. If and when you were to make an addition it's to this not team. Gonna be, it's not going to be another tr- question. No. Like the no. only one about Grand Central Terminal last night, is it? <laughs> it won't be that. But, <laughs> okay. it, but if and when you make a uh, some form of an acquisition to this team, don't have to put names to it. We're not going to talk prices, but if you were to put input, like one role, like what what spot are you trying to improve upon? I think they would love, and this, I'm, I, I will disappoint you, Bick. I'll, I'll predict that, but well, you, you should would be never. accustomed to it. You, you, you should be accustomed to it. <laughs> but I think they're looking for what every, almost every good team wants, which is another guy who can finish and, you know, more defensive depth. Uh, and I would have said that the blue line would be the priority because it has been for since Alvin got here. And when you see it now versus what it was, even when Talkett took over, it's remarkable how how well and how quickly, relatively, it's been reconstructed. I think to the point where I would say, you know, if you could, if it's one player, how about a, a top six winger or even a middle six winger? Uh, but I think they would probably love to have another defenseman, love to have another guy who can who can finish, um, you know, but they have, what they have now is pretty good. So if, if nothing changes, you know, they're still going to feel pretty good about themselves. I think at, at, at times in, in the past, but it's been so long since they had a really good team, mm-hmm. but at times in the past, there was kind of this feeling of desperation. It's like there were so many holes in yeah. the hull of the boat like you couldn't get enough uh, spackle or whatever it is you plug a hole in a boat with. Uh, and and it's like, okay, well, we filled this one hole. Yeah, but you're still leaking from three others. Right now, there's no leaks in the boat. No, and uh, that's part of why they've been as good as they have been. And this Canucks team at the 41-game mark, I can we can say with confidence now they are for real. And it's been really impressive seeing them get to this point. And, and Ian, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time and, and squeezing in uh, some time for us. I know it's busy for you, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you on Thursday when this road trip continues in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. Who knows what it'll what it'll bring. And by the way, I, I was thinking of a wooden hulled boat, like old right. sailing ships or something. You wouldn't you know, try to plug a hole in a BC ferry with spackle. That would be silly. Yes, that probably, do I don't think that would actually work. I'm with you. I don't think spackle would. would the ferries would. have had enough drama. We don't yes. need that one on them. <laughs> yeah, great product though. Does does well around the house, but they all sell it in such large containers, and all you need is a little bit. Oh, spackle, and yeah. then like, yeah, and then like five years later, you need to spackle something else, and your original spackle's gone all hard. It's great marketing. Yeah. <laughs> It is really good marketing. Try that in a light bulb. Big spackle coming up, coming through again. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna spackle over the whole uh, fixture. Yeah. Like just cover it in. Yeah, exactly. If I can't fix the light bulb, I'll just cover up the fixture. Well, and hey, yeah, you know what? You don't have to spackle over any writing with covering this Canucks team nowadays. That was really bad. I'm sorry. Uh, such that a was... clever out. Such yes, a clever, clever out. out. <laughs> Did... All right, talk to you guys Thursday. You See got you. it. That's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on Sportsnet.ca and Ian McIntyre. As always, a presentation of Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. Well, this brings us to the end of our show, Bick. You're back on the People Show tomorrow. I finally have a show this You week. do, finally. Uh, although I don't have one on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, no. I, you know, People Show, 3 o'clock. 
Vibes are good. Call in tomorrow. Yeah, have a lot of fun. Check out the People Show tomorrow, uh, 3 to 4 on Sportsnet 650. I'm back with Dan Riccio on Canucks Central, 4 to 6 tomorrow. Special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show and all of you for listening, texting in, calling in, participating, and overall being fantastic. Look forward to chatting with you tomorrow and on Thursday when the Canucks continue this road trip in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. This has been the Canucks Central Postgame Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.